0: We are kicking off our new series called All I Want for Christmas. Yeah. Have you guys made your Christmas list yet? Give me something you had on your Christmas list. One thing. A real DJ setup. That's what he said. Somebody else. A little man beside Jonathan. What do you have on your list? Stuffed animals. What about an adult? Let me get an adult. Where's one? You're... Lala said a card. Gerald, <laughs> Alicia. <laughs> what else? Another adult. Wayne, what you got on your Christmas list? <laughs> Let me go back to this side. <laughs> All I want for Christmas. We heard this question a lot growing up. Um, I have my two boys back here. My wife, she's at home. She had an emergency come up, so my daughter's with her. So as we were talking about this series, I went back to my children when they were little. Uh, I remember my wife asking that setup of a question. She would always ask the question. She would say, "Well, well, what do you guys want for Christmas? And they would answer, and I would cringe. Because what happened, and and let me—I'm not going to do this. So somebody, you guys, in a minute, is going to be a mess. But I'll try to make it as as uh, little as possible. So I got three kids, right? And so this is what Christmas used to look like at the Robinsons' house. My mother-in-law's back there. My sister-in-law's back there. I would say, so guys, what do you want for Christmas? And this is what they would do. They would give me their list, Kevin, and it would be like that. That didn't work the way it was supposed to. It was supposed to roll all the way to the back. It was supposed to be this long list, And I would go through this list, and a lot of those things were like, uh, they went through a phase where they were Thomas the Train kids. They went through this list, when, this period where they were Lego kids. They uh, went through this short period when they were Easy Bake Oven kids. Um, that was my daughter. <laughs> but, but they went through these periods of time where they had these long, elaborate lists. And I would wonder, do you even remember what you got last year? And oftentimes, it was no. And so it got me thinking, as Kevin was talking about this title, and now this is my kids' Christmas list. (laughs) She used to help out on it. That's why she said that. (laughs) But this is the Christmas list for three kids. This was it. And I was looking at it as I was doing praise and worship, and I was a lot of the things, I could even lump them together. And I was like, man, have my kids grown? And so this morning, I, I want to challenge you to think about, as an adult, if God was asking you, what is it that you want for Christmas, what would be on your list? I opened up asking just the, 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 the normal questions, what do you want, because typically when we have an opportunity to get something for Christmas, it's usually tangible things. You know, Lala, even when I said adults, uh, Alicia, for some reason, she thought she was an adult and she jumped up and she shouted she wanted a car. If she's anything like my daughter, she doesn't understand that a car doesn't run on water. If she's anything like my daughter, she she, she doesn't know that that, that cars, uh, they they, they have to have this thing called insurance to keep them on the road. And so the car is just the first part of it, but then there's a continual process that happens, and then if you're not careful, or if you're kind of like me where you push the kids to be responsible, you, you then sometimes say, well, can I give you the keys back to this? Because it comes with a great responsibility. But the goal and the prayer for Pastor Kevin and I during these next couple of weeks is that when we ask the question or we're posed or faced with the question, what do we want for Christmas? It's not that we're asking for something that's just so tangible. Because no matter what, believe it or not, you can get in a car and you can go out here and be involved in an accident and the car's total. So then the car has gone or the engine could go bad and now you have to undergo an expensive repair and then you're now wishing that you wouldn't have gotten a car. And so oftentimes we go through these periods of our lives when we only think on a surface level, especially when it comes to receiving something. You know, I was studying this week and I was reading about uh, King Solomon. He, he, uh, God asked Solomon, he said, what is it that you desire? And he said, well give me wisdom and give me knowledge so that I can lead my people in an efficient way. And then after he asked this after he answered in such an eloquent way, the Lord said, Well, because you have not asked for all of these other things, I'm gonna give you your request, but watch this, and some other stuff. And so oftentimes my, my, my desire today, rather, is to convey that we have to make sure that the things that are on our list are things that are vital towards our Christian life, life and our Christian walk. Many of us want certain things, and when we think about it, some of these things, in actuality, they pull us away from God's presence. I struck a chord right there. Some of us say, well, God, I, I want wealth, I, I, I want prosperity, I, I want these things, and there's nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. But some of us, if we're not mindful of how we should ask for certain things in certain order in certain seasons, we'll get things out of order, and the very thing that we ask for will be the thing that causes a wedge between us and God. So this, this the next couple of weeks, all weeks, all our desire is is that when you have an opportunity to ask God for something, when you fall on your knees tonight and you go into prayer and you're asking God, God, this is the desires of my heart, they'd be things that aren't so tangible, but they'd be things that you can apply to your everyday life. And as you wake up in the morning, you'll be able to walk and you'll be able to deal with this thing called life in a more efficient way. That's our desire. That's it. And so one of the things that I, I, I want us to put on our list this morning is this word called faith. I, I want us to put this thing on our list called faith. Many times we, when it comes to the word faith, we think that the people who need faith or a greater measure of faith are people who don't have a good relationship with God. We, 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 we tend to think that the people who um, need faith are people who, for some reason, maybe they're not in right relationship or something we we begin to equate the fact of somebody asking for a greater measure of faith of being something as if they hadn't sought god they they hadn't earnestly sought after him but in actuality my prayer is like we're going to walk through a couple stories in the bible and you're going to find out that there are people who walk with jesus literally every single day and then at the end of one particular story you're going to hear him challenge them about his faith their faith rather let's look at the word you got your bibles cool Let's go to, let's start with this one. The one that we want to start with this morning starts in Matthew chapter number nine. Matthew chapter number nine, verse number 27. But Matthew chapter number nine, verse 27, there's a story and it reads like this. It says, and when Jesus had departed, two blind men followed him crying, saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus said unto them, uh, believe ye that you are able to do this. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? That's what he's asking. The blind man said, hey, listen, all right, I got a problem. I can't see. And then Jesus asked him, he said, do you believe that I can fix it? And the blind watched their, watched their response. He said, They said, yeah, Lord. And he, then he touched their eyes, and watched this word that he used. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you according to your faith be it unto you according to not jesus's faith not 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 uh you know mama's faith or or the pastor's faith and his belief in your prosperity and your well-being but he said According to your faith, be it unto you. So I asked the question this morning in prayer. I said, so if we went out on a limb and we asked the question from a different perspective, if they didn't have faith, could the possibility present itself where they left blind? Because when we look at the scripture and the words that he chose to use, he said they received their sight because they had faith. So in this holiday season, as you walk through this thing called life, when you're looking at all the things that you wanted from January down to December, and some of those things haven't begun to materialize, don't be so quick to be angry at God because God, quote unquote, didn't do something. Look internally and ask yourself, did I demonstrate the faith to create an atmosphere for God to move? Because when you look at this story, these guys, they had an issue, but yet they created an atmosphere where God was able to move. It said he went in and they followed him into this house, so they created an atmosphere. So when you're going through trials and tribulations, where is it that you're going? Are you going into the presence of God or are you standing in the presence of your problem? So you, you have to create an atmosphere where you can move into the presence of God because it's in the presence of God that power lies and then change begins to happen. Yeah. So these men, they, they, they said, be it, be it unto you according to your faith. And the Bible says that their eyes were open and they were able to see. They were able to see. Now, there's something about faith. I think it's Romans 10 and 17. It says this. It, it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. So here's the dilemma. These men couldn't see. So they had to have positioned themselves, Steve, in an environment where what they were hearing was something that was life-changing. Wow. They, they, they couldn't see the scripture. They couldn't see the scrolls. They couldn't see what people had written down. So they had to position themselves to be in a place where they could hear what was saying. And I just believe that God has positioned us in a place here at 1841 J.A. Cochrane bypass where he's releasing a sound that if you hear the sound, then God will begin to move and do some miracles on your behalf. Amen. I just believe it. I just believe it. So you have to position yourself in a place. These men had to have heard something about this man. Because look at it. Think about it. They They couldn't see him. Watch this. They couldn't see him, but yet they were able to address him by name even though they couldn't see him. So you tell me how that happened. They must have heard something. Sometimes what you hear will change everything that you've thought about in your entire life. Sometimes what you hear will challenge everything that you've heard in your entire life, because you've been so conditioned and you've been so used to being in this environment and hearing it a certain way that you felt like the results had to be a certain way. But the Bible says that there's nothing that's too hard for God, and if God can say it, He can. Okay, 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 okay. So, 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 you don't have to stay in the condition you're in. You don't have to. Your, your, your current set of circumstances isn't a life sentence. Okay, 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 okay. Where you are right now, what you're going through, isn't the final destination if you desire to move. These men, they were in a situation where they were blind, but yet they realized that if they could get to Jesus, if they could get to the very man that they heard about, then no matter what other people said about him, he could do something that no man could do. Cause I'm sure they went to other doctors, and they still left blind. I'm, I'm sure they left. They went to other scholars and still left blind. But yet, when they got to Jesus, something happened. So my question is, who are you seeking after? I'm just talking about what we want for Christmas. What I want for Christmas is is my faith to be in in such a manner that when I'm in a situation, a difficult situation, I still believe God for the best. Let's go to Luke 18. We're going to talk about the flip side of it. Luke 18, verse number 18. I was meditating on this one a little longer, Kevin, because it didn't really use the word faith. In this story but i, I i've learned and in, in my years in my 39 years of life that you don't follow somebody that you don't believe in Come on now. If, if, you'll be a fool to follow somebody you don't believe in if if, if you're going to follow somebody make sure you believe in them here we go luke 18 luke 18 and verse 18 it's a story about a certain young ruler, and he asked the question. He said, uh, "Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said unto him, uh, "Why callest me good? There is none good, save one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, and did not uh, commit adultery, did not uh, kill, did not steal, did not bear false witness, uh, honour thy uh, honour thy father and thy mother." And he said, I have kept all these things up from my youth. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, he said, Thou lacketh one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor that thou shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful. For he was rich. I was meditating on this one, Wayne, because the word faith never showed up in that story. But I was looking at it, and he had the law down pat. Because he said, Man, I've done all that stuff. I hadn't killed anybody, hadn't committed adultery. You know, I honor my mother and father. I, I've done all that. I'm good. And then Jesus said, But there's one thing that you're missing. And see, this is where I believe faith jumped in, Jackie, because if you really listen to the, the statement that Jesus made, it, it, it requires him to have to demonstrate faith. Because, see, I don't know if you guys know the definition of it, but Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. So you, you, it's, it's putting you in a situation where you believe something, even if you can't see it. So so, so listen to the question, though, he said there's one thing that you missed. I want you to take everything that you have, sell it, and then follow me. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar like my big brother. You know, maybe somewhere in the Bible there's something, you know, in in the scripture that says that there's a command that just wants to take when you reach a certain level and give it to someone. I, I don't think it's in there, but so I think Jesus was really trying them right there. I think Jesus was trying to, because if you look at back at Solomon, Solomon received wealth, so I don't think God has a problem with wealth, but I think God was uh, using Jesus to challenge this guy at this moment, because he said, take what you have and sell it, give it to the poor, follow me. Now, what that requires is this, it says the man was very rich, that means the man probably didn't have too many care, because believe it or not, sometimes money makes things a little bit easier, not always, but sometimes it does. It's a lot easier to pay your mortgage when you got money than good looks. So so, so here's this question. He asked him. He said, the one thing that you haven't done is I need you to sell it, give it, follow me. You're wealthy. You can take care of your own. But now that you've given everything away, now you got to trust God. Now you got to move from being financially secure to being in a place that you got to trust this man. And the Bible says that the man was sorrowful because he couldn't trust him. He couldn't trust him. Now, I just believe that the God that I serve, he wouldn't cause you to give away something and not replenish it with more. So 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 my prayer this morning when I say this next part is if 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 you want God to take you to another place in him you can't hold on so tight to what you currently have You got to take what you have and say God all that I have it belongs to you God, I'm just simply a steward of where I am and what I have. And if you gave it to me today, Job said it this way, yet though he tr- slayed me, yet will I trust him. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. So we have to realize that in our lives, what we have, we're simply stewarding it. So if it requires us to have to give, you got to trust him. But this man wasn't willing to demonstrate faith. So the Bible said he turned around like I'm about to do and walked off. He left sorrowful, left sorrowful. He missed out on something, all because he didn't have enough belief that God could do it. Let's jump to Mark chapter number four, because if you remember earlier, I said most people, when you hear somebody talking about faith, they think, oh, they they don't have faith and and they're frowned upon. That person must not love God as much as I love God because I got faith. watch this story. And the same day when the eve was come, he said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was on the ship and there was, they were there also with him, uh, other little ships. A great storm arose and the waves beat the uh, ship and so that it was now full. So water came into the ship and he was hither He was in the hither part of the ship asleep on a pillow and they awake him saying unto him, Master, careth thou not that we perish? And he arose and he rebuked the winds and he said to the sea, peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. There was a great calm. Now you do realize that these men that are on this boat are his disciples, right? You do realize that the people that are on this boat are people that seen some of the miracles that he's already performed. You do realize that these men that are on the boat aren't some people that just kind of started tagging along after they saw a miracle. These were some people that been with them. These were some people that were walking with them. And they found themselves in a difficult situation. And their faith had to show up. And my prayer is that we'll leave a little bit of time to pray for some of you guys that that need your faith to show up. But what happened to these disciples? He Jesus got up and he took care of the situation. And then he had a little come to Jesus meeting with them. Anybody had any come to Jesus meeting with their kids? You know, the older they get, I, I do it seldom now, it's not as frequent. And I think they have came to him enough that they realized. But he said unto them. Why? Now, listen to these words, and I picked the King James specifically for these words. Why are ye so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? We'll let that resonate for a little bit why are you so fearful there are some people watching my live stream and uh, here that need God to do something and if truth be told some of them are wondering if he's going to do it some of you have received some reports from the doctors concerning you or your loved ones it's, it was tough to digest. You love God, you serve him, you trust him, you believe in him, but yet you're in a crossroad right now. You're like, okay, God, this is staring back at me. And if truth be told, I'm sure myself and Kevin as well have been at this crossroad as anointed As we both are, we've still found ourselves at the same crossroads. Like, God, (laughs) you got to do it. You got to do it. And it's at that moment that you have to be careful, that you hold on to your conviction of what you've seen God do. I tell people all the time that when you need God to do something, I dare you pause for a moment and look back at the last miracle he's done for you. Because if that doesn't get you motivated and excited, I don't know what will. There's been times when I've had to look a little further because I say, God, well, that doesn't measure up to what I need you to do this time. God, that doesn't measure up to what I need you to do this time. And as I continue to go down the road, I end up finding myself stopping on something that meets the bill. It says, you know what, God, I forgot about that. But you know what? I thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that brings things back to my remembrance. God, there was a moment that I didn't think you could do it, but I remember what you did. And now. And now, yeah, yeah. And now I can face tomorrow because I know who's dealing with today. Why are you so fearful? We're going to transition into a moment of ministry. If you know me, I love ministry moments and and we're going to transition into that. But but I I, got to set the atmosphere right. And in order to do that, we have to be transparent. We have to be open with ourselves and we have to uh, allow God to go behind the veil. Because there are some things that you've hidden so well that you can make it seem like you're not worried or concerned about it, but as soon as you leave out of this door, you're back to trying to figure this thing out. And God is saying this this morning. He's saying, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Do you not remember the last time? Do you not remember what I did for them? That's why the Bible tells us, it says that we're overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. There's somebody that God is strategically placing in your circle that has something. If you can't find it, there's somebody that's in your circle that if you just sit down and talk to them, they'll say, listen, let, I know I don't look like it, but there was a time a couple months ago when I had a bag on my side. I know it don't look like it today, and I didn't think I could get through it, but look what God did. There was a moment I didn't think I could stand and talk about God's goodness because I had to funeralize my mother. But look what God did. There was a moment I didn't think I would be able to do what I'm doing today, but but but, but, but look what God did. And when you began to share those things, I spoke last night at a scholarship banquet um, for, for a local nonprofit here in Chester and it's the DSR uh, Hope Foundation, and um, they raise scholarship dollars. I think they said they've given, over, given away over 35 scholarships, um, and they've, they've given away over like $35,000 um, since I think it was 2008 or 2002. But this whole organization started because the, one of the parents in the organization had a daughter who had leukemia, and she died as a young kid, and instead of being angry and resentful, she said, you know what, God, I still know you're good. I don't know how I'm gonna get through it but I have enough faith to believe that you're able I don't know how in the world I'm gonna wake up in the morning but 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 God I know you've been too good to leave me where I currently am and now they're changing lives It's because they had a faith in a God who said I'll never leave you nor forsake you but I'll be with you always even until the end I know it don't look like it today but I'm still right here. Why are you so fearful? I got you. If I can be transparent for two seconds, I've changed this sermon three times this week. Me and Kevin talked, and I was going to preach about wisdom. Later on in the week, I thought God was saying something about hope. And then last night, I stayed up until about 3 o'clock in the morning and said, "Okay, God, (laughs) Say, I got it, I got it, and then, I got it, and then I went to sleep, went to sleep. And the beauty of being up here and looking out there is that you're only looking at me, but I get to see all the faces of the emotions that are happening as you're processing the words that the Lord is speaking. And I know that this is the right word because it's resonated with so many people as I sit here this morning. And so even this message is a reminder that, listen, just have faith in him. Even when you don't know how it's going to happen, have faith in him. He was sleeping. Jonathan's been on a boat. He's trying to get me on his boat. And I I told him I'd go on his boat, but he takes his boat out at like 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm not a four o'clock in the morning kind of guy. (laughs) I just ate. But I'm sure there's times when the boat begins to rock. And you can feel it. And everybody on the boat can feel it. But yet Jesus was down in the boat. Feeling what they were feeling. But yet he was asleep. Unmoved. Unbothered. So i say this in closing. What are you fearful of? What are you fearful for? He's got you. He's got you. His promises are yes and amen. That's what they are. Yes means yes, and amen means I agree. So when you say, God, this is what I need you to do. The yes is okay, cool. We can do that. And the amen is I agree. We're going to turn it around. But you got to have faith. I'm not gonna do it on my own. You you gotta bring something to the table. So this holiday season, my prayer is that as you're making your list or revising your list, faith would move up the ladder. Faith would move up a little bit higher than anything that's tangible.